Hey, Radio Roger, you ready? Yeah. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 570. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 18th of May, 2023. In today's episode, in Luxembourg, a 747 freighter can't retract its landing gear, which then has problems during landing. A 10-year sentence for a man who accidentally fired a gun at a TSA checkpoint. More news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger and Flight 570 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guys Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot of major legacy airline based in Atlanta or somewhere in the United States, maybe. Uh, joining me from his studio... In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Good evening, Captain Jeff and all our lovely listeners. Great to be back on the show again on Scorpions on a Plane. Oh, look at that. Very nice. And uh, also... We have from her lakeside studio, no, from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. By the lake. Uh, Sometime, maybe in the future, you will be. Retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. Uh, Lake Ontario's down that way about five miles or so. Yeah, it's down there. So you're not right on the lake, but pretty darn close. Technically, no. Yeah, that's a pretty darn big lake. So we'll give you credit for that. Have a good show, you guys. All right. Uh, Cheers, Liz. Here's your lakeside credit right there. All right. And now we're going to launch right into the aviation news segment. Here we go. Stand by for news. All right. The first item is an accident. Uh, This is from the uh, Aviation Herald, I believe. Yes, aviationherald.com. We do have a video. uh, So why don't we go ahead and uh, roll that, uh, Liz, if you can pop it into the screen. Roll the tape. Here we go. Roll the tape. All right. There's a beautiful 747 touching down. Look down, look down, Oh, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Ooh. Ooh. 
Oh no, what's that? <laughs> Bunch of wheels. It's a it's a baby's pram. No. <laughs> no. Something was flying off there. Wow. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about what happened there. That's a Cargo Lux uh, 747 400. Registration Lima X-ray Oscar Charlie Victor performing flight 6857 from Luxembourg to Chicago. Uh, they were cl- they didn't make it to Chicago. Uh, they were climbing out of flight level 100 due to being unable to retract the landing gear. The aircraft returned to Luxembourg for a landing on runway 6 at 1900 local about 50 minutes after departure. They uh, dumped gas and returned. Uh, Upon touchdown, the right-hand center gear wheel bogey separated. Uh, Conveniently, the wheel bogey came to a rest in front of the cargo box hangar. (laughs) There it is. Look at that. Uh, The aircraft rolled out without further incident. And was it's disabled. even on the wheels. Yeah, I know. It, and it's like it's right it way just, up. It's just ready for them to roll it right over there to that hangar. Yeah, and, uh, start, uh, stick it. it back on. Anyone got any speed tape? Yeah, speed tape for sure. All right, uh, let's see. The aircraft rolled out without further incident. Was disabled on the runway. There were no injuries. The aircraft sustained substantial damage, which we're seeing here in the uh, on the video, and we'll have in the show notes. Ugh, uh, quite a mess. Uh, the yeah. airline reported the aircraft was unable to retract. Okay, that's oh. basically saying exactly what oh. we just told you. So I'm not going to read that. So it looks like uh, pretty decent weather, as we could see from the video. And uh, it was just fun to see the um, that uh, four-wheel bouncing bogey. center bogey just going, just, yeah, bouncing, bouncing down the bogey. runway. That was pretty impressive. That's yeah. a good title. Yeah, bouncing bogeys. That's a good title, yeah. <laughs> go ahead <laughs> absolutely no i was just going to say uh, a, a testament to uh the boeing product that uh it managed to cope with the landing uh despite the fact that uh one of its main bogus had disappeared um it ain't boeing i ain't going <laughs> that's true <laughs> I ain't going to break uh the fact that it broke is not quite as good a testament to <laughs> There you go. But it it, uh, left a nice bit of damage on the um, belly housing uh, uh, when the wheels came off. That's not really a major part of the airframe. That's just a sort of blister put on there to house the gear and to smooth the flow there. But, um, yeah, interesting. Well, Brad, in our... Live audience has just come up with a great <laughs> show title. Fine you picked a fine time to leave wheel. me, loose wheel. <laughs> That's a good oh one. dear. It's kind of I a long like title. But like that. I might make an exception on this one. Yeah, and a little I'm, long, but I'm wondering if that, that bogey uh, system thought that maybe it was attached to an Airbus because if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. You know, so I thought, well, I'm not going to go because this right. is not about, no, that's probably <laughs> self-rejection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. All right. Um, picked a fine time to, I'm just wheel. writing this down. Yeah. Pick, pick, pick um, a fine time to leave me wheel. loose wheel. And that's a double O. Thank you for spelling that correctly, sir. You get extra, ding, ding, extra ding, points ding. for that. Here extra we go. credits. And that was on the Sultan of Wings, of course. Yes. A very learned man who... Flies the uh, Airbus. No, he can't product. be that learned then. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, he's you can't 
I, yeah, I'm, I can do something with that. This is going to be good. <laughs> I'm just trying to work out how. Uh, who, who sang uh, the original? Was oh, it uh, Dolly no, Parton or no, something? It's a guy. No, it's a, it was a male oh, singer. I'll, I'll look male. it up. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, Liz okay. is on it. Staff, look it up. <laughs> yeah. All right, they're working on it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, now that uh, Kenny Captain Rogers is, uh, very distracted. And, oh, Kenny Rogers. Oh, okay. Was he the the original? I guess he was. Okay. Well, Brad Bradley, the Sultan of Rings, seems to uh, he concurs seems to agree. Ding, ding, ding. Concurs, yes. Concurrence has occurred. Okay. Uh, next item: man who accidentally fired yeah, a gun sure. at a TSA <laughs> checkpoint in Atlanta was sentenced to ten years. In I'm sorry, prison. I'm finding this amusing, but was he wearing a cowboy hat? Um, yeah, I think he was. Yeehaw! There's a recording of him uh, right before the gunshot. I should have a gunshot uh, sound. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, see if I can perfect, quickly, quickly find one. Um, he created mass panic, caused a two-hour active shooter lockdown at, at Atlanta and Hartsfield International Airport. That's Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. Who wrote this? I think Shame it's probably Paddle Your Own Canoe. Paddle Your Paddle your own canoe. Um, well, it's very hard with your laptop on a canoe, you know. No, that's true. Okay, we'll give him a break. Yeah, uh, in the run-up to the Thanksgiving holidays in November of 2021, uh, has been sentenced to 10 years imprisonment in a federal jail after he pleaded guilty to possessing a firearm while being a convicted felon. Yeah, convicted felons over here are not allowed to have or possess a firearm. He, uh, Kenny Wells, 44 years old, a multi-convicted felon, who prosecutors described as a very violent individual accidentally discharged his handgun while passing through a TSA checkpoint. Um, he uh, was, um, let's see, had traveled to the airport uh, hoping to catch a flight to New Orleans so he could shoot up the city um, <laughs> with a loaded handgun in his hand luggage despite being banned from possessing firearms. When he uh, entered the TSA checkpoint, he uh, was placed his luggage into the x-ray machine and his bag was pulled for a hand search because something unusual was spotted. As one of the TSA officers removed the top layer of clothing from the bag, he apparently lunged forward and reached inside the bag. As he grabbed the handgun, he accidentally discharged it before fleeing the scene. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's not good. So what was it, sitting there with one in the chamber and the safety Sounds wasn't like on? It. It looks At least like it didn't hit anybody, yeah, like the it. bullet. Wow. Um, and let's Great. see, uh, he, uh, during the initial scenes of panic and confusion, he managed to mingle with fleeing crowds and escape the airport surveillance camera footage captured him at a nearby parking garage where he was seen discarding an object in a large metal trash can. The handgun was later retrieved from the trash can. So, oh, well, he almost got away with it. Yeah. But interestingly, he got the 10 years for possessing the gun not for firing it at the checkpoint i guess yeah and what's the usual time he will serve will he do federal all 10 crime, years or will oh, he come out federal crime that? like that i think yeah the federal uh, system i think it's they they get pretty close to like serving yeah, that full that's thing. what my understanding is yeah oh okay fair enough yeah that's the way he's going understand. to the slammer for quite a long time oh yeah he's going to the slammer for sure okay and I'm, I have a feeling he's probably been yeah. there before. He's got friends. He does have special friends. 
at the prison. All right. Interestingly, um, yeah. um, since the um, X-ray machine picked up something odd, obviously, mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised that he was able to reach his bag. Uh, wouldn't they have moved the bag away so that if it had been something you know, that he, he was a terrorist and he wanted to set off a bomb or, or do something dreadful. He couldn't touch it, but obviously they didn't follow that, what seems Protocol. to be quite sane advice. Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly. It could have been like yeah. just exiting the machine and they grabbed it and he was like within grabbing, lunging different uh, yeah. distance. Or most, most places I've been to, they've got big perspex shields preventing mm -hmm. you from um, getting at your bag until uh, the the officer has uh, let it pass through. So, well, this is Atlanta, Georgia, the Wild West. You know, yeah, well, <laughs> you're used to it, of course. Or the Wild South, yes, not Wild West. Anyway, um, just don't get shot before you really retire. Nothing Jeff, much okay? else to say about that. Uh, I'll try not to get shot before I retire, Liz. I'll <laughs> definitely do that. All right, uh, the next item here. It's especially um, for you, Jeff. Cathay, pilots at Cathay Pacific have allegedly been taxiing at deliberately slow speeds to the gate in order to bump up their wages because they are now paid from engine start to engine shutdown. Kind of makes me wonder what they were paid or how they were paid before. Um, Probably wheels on to wheels off, I expect. Oh, it might be. Uh, the allegations came to light after managers at the Hong Kong-based airline noticed that the planes were taking an unusually long time to reach the gate after they had landed at Chek Lapkok International Airport. According to local media, managers started to time how long it was taking for Cathay Pacific planes to taxi for takeoff. Those and managers after don't have enough things to do. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd think that that's something that automatically is tracked. I mean, I know it is on... Yeah. The airplane that I fly. Um, yep, same here. Yeah. Maybe they were just not paying attention to it in the past. Uh, the results showed that some uh, Cathay Pacific aircraft were taking considerably longer uh, to taxi around the airport compared to planes from other airlines. And as a result, taxiways were becoming congested and aircraft were arriving or taking off late. In a leaked memo, Cathay Pacific uh, has put pilots on notice that managers are aware of the situation and are now monitoring the speeds at which aircraft are taxiing. And they say that taxi speeds of 30 knots are feasible. I, yeah. Right? That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. But that's where oh, it trips the... Uh, the absolute maximum was 30 knots. If you got to 30 knots, you were supposed then to break down to 10 knots. And you know, the only time I've ever seen speed limits on like airport diagrams and stuff like that always had something to do with the, the, the big wide-body aircraft. They don't want yeah. you guys like rolling down, you know, uh, with the huge wingspan and knocking over, you know, innocent, unsuspecting, uh, yeah. narrow <laughs> bodies out there. <laughs> Flipping those little CRJs around, you know, spinning like tops. <laughs> you know, remember that one in, uh, at JFK, the, uh, air, uh, the air France oh, yeah, uh, 380 hit that RJ wallop, <laughs> like a little top. Um, anyway, uh, so Cathay Pacific said taxi speeds of 30 knots are feasible, but that a slower speed of 15 to 20 knots is perfectly adequate. What it found, however, was that some aircraft were taxiing at far slower <laughs> speeds than the acceptable lower limit. So they were just creeping along. 
Uh, the reason why pilots at the Swire owned airline, uh, what is that a person? Swire? Swire, Swire group is, oh. uh, you know why it's called Hong Kong is cause the, um, the Kongs, the businesses, the big major trading companies that started off, uh, in, uh, Hong Kong, um, they, uh, ruled there because it was a free port, um, and they made a lot of money and, uh, the Swire group or Swire family, uh, cause they are a family, um, were one of the major Hongs that have been there or Kongs, Hong Kongs, oh, anyway, <laughs> have been there for, uh, nearly since, um, the British, uh, took over that island. So they are a, a major factor that they own all sorts of businesses, including the newspapers, which is often why you find the newspapers uh, come out against uh, people who make trouble for their companies. Hmm. Well, I, I never knew the, what, a, what a Hong nor a Kong was. No, I think they're the Hongs. Uh, I, you know, I, I read a book uh, called, uh, uh, Taipan, I think it was, which was all about, uh, it was a historical novel all about the history of um, I thought Hong, Hong Kong, Kong meant fragrant okay. And uh, I'm pretty sure they, uh, they it was the Hongs, but someone's going to correct me. Well, I think yes. our control room is saying that she thought it meant something about fragrant harbor. That's what Hong Kong meant. Oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that could be it. All right, mm-hmm. then what, what were the name of the... The old trading companies, then there was a I Chinese I'll, name. I'll, I'll do some Help Googling me out there, here. Liz. Keep going. Staff. She's on it. <laughs> She's looking it up. Okay. Uh, so, in the meantime, we're going to continue with the story. Uh, some sources claim the reason is that pilots are paid from the moment that the aircraft engines are started to the moment they are shut down at the end of the flight. So, increasing this time period will bump up wages. The reasoning behind this theory lies in the fact that average pilot wages are down 30% compared to pre pandemic. Um, rates, despite a recent 3.3% pay raise. Other sources, however, have dismissed this notion, pointing out that the additional taxi time is five or 10 minutes at best, which wouldn't earn pilots much extra money. Yeah, but it's enough to buy a couple six packs. Uh, Sources do, though, claim that pilots are taxiing slower simply because they've lost the impetus to be efficient. Yeah, I don't think the morale is very high right now. Nick is correct. No, no, we have heard that it's suffering somewhat. Our our, our, um, staff, our control room, hang hang on. Do you want me to come in and read it? Why don't you pop pop in and and, uh, inform us of this? uh, Yes. Okay, Nick, you are correct. It says, a hong originally designates a type of building and a type of Chinese merchant intermediary, intermediary, formerly in Canton, and then they moved to Hong Kong. Ah, okay. Kongs, you are correct. There Thanks you go. very much, yeah. Ding, ding, Okay, ding. that's pretty. So yeah. I wasn't a complete fool. But I've also heard that it means fragrant harbor, which is always such a joke when you used to land at the old airport because the first smell that came into the aircraft was that of sewage. <laughs> Well, would that be also fragrant, just not in a good way? <laughs> not the, quite the same way. Not a positive. But, uh, that was because uh, so many people lived near the airport and just emptied their sewage into the ditches that ran down mm. either side of the runway Yum. to flow out into the harbor. It was pretty disgusting. <laughs> okay. 
Anyway, if anyone wants to, I think it's James Clavell wrote that book, uh, Taipan, who uh, wants to read about the history of Hong Kong. It's a great novel and a great way to learn a little bit about it. Okay. Put that on your, your reading list. All right. I'm trying to select the next item. Here we go. Uh, the Air Force is investigating a mishap that led an F-15 to land in an Oregon canal. Now, I don't think that technically the F-15 landed in the canal like, you know, Scully did on the Hudson. <laughs> it's um, not exactly an F-35 that could do a vertical landing. but Right. I think that it actually, well, here, let me read a little bit of the uh, uh, narrative from military.com. Um, an F-15 Eagle fighter, F-15D Eagle fighter jet assigned to an Air National Guard unit went off the runway at an airfield in Oregon. Yeah, went off the runway and then crashed into a nearby irrigation canal this week, according to base officials. The fighter jet was assigned to the 173rd Fighter Wing at Kingsley Field Air National Guard Base in Klamath Falls, Oregon. It was doing a routine was doing routine training about 3 p.m. Monday when the incident happened. Uh, the air and again the aircraft landed and I said came to rest maybe in a body of water managed by the Federal Bureau of Reclamation's office just by the base. Upon landing, the aircraft left the paved surface, came to a stop in the Bureau of Reclamation Irrigation Canal at the south side of the runway, according to a spokesperson for the 173rd Fighter Wing. Pilot was able to exit the aircraft safely, was transported to a nearby hospital for precaution and evaluation. Uh, we are so grateful that our pilot was able to walk away from this mishap, according to the vice commander, the wing vice commander. Our team, Kingsley. <laughs> you should command the vice. Or, you know, it says the wing <laughs> vice commander, or yeah, I guess he uh, commands vice. I'm, I'm not sure exactly yeah. what all that encompasses. <laughs> well, um, it sounds like a peachy job. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, but it's, it's Oregon vice, not Miami vice. Oh, okay, fair um, or Klamath Falls vice. Our team Kingsley responders acted quickly and with professionalism thanks to the extensive training and safety mindset of our team, according to the wing vice commander. An investigation into what caused the crash has already started. Uh, let's see. They were concerned that maybe the aircraft had been leaking petroleum products into that irrigation canal, but as far as they could tell, um, there were there was nothing leaking into the canal, and they put absorbent booms around it just to, as a precaution. And it talks about the fact that they're about to retire the F-15C and D models for the new uh, F-15EX models. So um, maybe he was yeah, just trying to help they don't have and to just get rid of one of them. Yeah, well, kudos actually for positioning, getting the aircraft right through that uh, canal and get onto the far bank, so he could just lift the canopy and climb out straight onto the dry land. So yeah, that was convenient. I thought that was a good bit of uh, positioning. And uh, I'm assuming I always thought those were F-15s, not C's or D's. S for Sea Eagle. Yeah. Oh, Sea Eagle, right. <laughs> Very clever. You are joking, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. We're going to continue. It could be Canal Eagle. Yeah, Canal Eagle. C, a CE Canal Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if uh, Colonel Jeff ever you know, landed in an irrigation canal. We'll have to 
get some feedback. Well, that, perhaps that's why the uh, that one hasn't sunk very much. It landed on one of Colonel Jeff's old. <laughs> it, was, it was already one there. Bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, uh, AI is helping. This is from the New York Times. Uh, artificial intelligence is helping airlines prevent delays and turbulence. Uh, let's see, AI and innovations like hyperlocal radar stations and a constellation of future satellites may soon improve forecasts and smooth out your journeys. Um, talks about the it might be a tough summer to fly. More passengers than ever will be taking to the skies according to the TSA and the weather so far this year hasn't exactly been cooperating. Uh, so will flights just get bumpier and delays even more common? Not necessarily new sensors, satellites, and data modeling powered by artificial intelligence are giving travelers a fighting chance against more erratic weather. So this article goes into a lot of detail about uh, various ways that they are uh, trying to improve the information that is being fed to us hungry pilots uh, and to help us, you know, find smoother altitudes and avoid areas with uh, severe weather as much as possible. Uh, it involves, um, just to kind of uh, give you a, a synopsis here, it, it kind of uh, they're launching more uh, than 20 weather satellites, uh, the U.S. Air Force is actually, um, no, I'm sorry, weather intelligence company Tomorrow.io has received a $19 million grant from the U.S. Air Force to launch more than 20 weather satellites beginning with two by the end of this year and scheduled for completion in 2025. The constellation of satellites will provide meteorological reporting over the whole globe, covering some areas that are currently not monitored. The system will report conditions every hour, a vast improvement over the data that is currently available. Anyway, uh, let's see, what else do they have here? Um, they have a, a couple of other um, ways that they were going to making uh, be making advances in weather technology, which is hopefully something that will be uh, helpful for all of those active airline transport pilots out there. So, anything else to add, Captain Nick? Well, no. I mean, this sort of technology was just coming in when I retired. Uh, it was surprisingly accurate. And if you can get real-time updates, that made it even more so. But um, if they can improve on that, then it's going to make it a lot easier. But you just need the flexibility in your airspace to deviate around or uh, over or under, which is more likely, the turbulence levels. And that is often the, the restriction, particularly, you know, across the Atlantic, things like that. It's not easy to negotiate a change in levels, particularly on a forecast rather than actual conditions. If you've got actual conditions, their traffic will often listen to you and do something. But if it's just you thinking it might be ahead, then sometimes it's harder. But I think everyone's becoming a bit more sensitive to it because, uh, you know, you, the conditions are often... Um, getting so bad that you know, end up with injuries uh, or in some cases tragically deaths so you know it's very important nowadays to pay attention and make sure you avoid these spots absolutely and i, I forgot there's one paragraph i want to make sure i read here pilots have long radioed their encounters with turbulence to air traffic controllers giving aircraft coming in behind them a chance to eliminate the seatbelt light uh, in time for the rough air. And those pilots have been ridiculed for doing so by other airline pilots envious of them. 
now a new fleet of satellites could help warn them earlier. I just want to throw that in because pilot uh, oh yeah, pilot it's a bad we, we spend yeah. a lot of our time ridiculing other pilots. Yes. Exactly. That's what this well, we do. All That's about, one of our favorite it? pastimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Let's see. Oh well, you know we like to we love our furry uh, buddies uh, here on the uh, show and let me uh, clarify what I mean by that. Uh, animals. Um, <laughs> you know, f- uh, furries are something rather weird in the world of adult. As I, um, as I thought about those words coming out of my mouth, I thought, you know, I probably need to clarify that. Um, this is yeah. from the New York times as well. Uh, frustrated pet owners are turning to private jets to fly their animals. Sorry. Oh, uh, there the we go. Button. The, uh, I thought you were no, going to pop no, back no, in no, Liz no. and tell us something. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. A, a new airline is making a bid for those with fur babies. Last Friday evening, as drizzle fell on the tarmac, 10 passengers boarded a Gulfstream G4 headed from Teterboro Airport in New Jersey to Farnborough Airport, just southwest of London. They didn't seem to notice the plush leather seats or the treats nestled in champagne flutes in the armrests. They also hadn't particularly enjoyed clambering up the aircraft's stairs. This was the inaugural flight of K-9 jets. Uh, That's K, uh, letter K, nine number jets. A private jet charter company based in Birmingham, England, founded in response to both a growing desire among pet owners to travel with their animals and mounting frustration at the increasingly challenging process of flying with them. And also the frustration of not being able to get away with yeah, slapping a um, emotional support uh, animal. Yeah, a, a special uh, yeah, on them. A emotional support animal or working uh, dog or whatever on their on their animals, and yeah, everybody going, oh, okay, that must be a real thing. Um, yeah, so they're not getting away with it anymore. So they have uh, taken to uh, finding tra- uh, traveling on uh, private jets. Uh, a little bit uh, better and feasible. Um, so on this flight, the passenger manifest included nine dogs, mostly on the larger side, and one sphinx cat, as well as ten humans. Most of the people on board were relocating to Europe. One said her Australian cattle dog mix, Jasmine, needed life-saving heart surgery. All had one thing in common, an aversion to putting their pets in the cargo hold. Um, pet owners seeking to transport their pets on commercial flights must navigate a patchwork of rules that vary by airline service animals, which are not considered pets. That was what I was looking for uh, before that, that term service animals. Um, they're not considered pets are allowed to be in the cabin and left unconfined, but other animals are subject to size restrictions that require bigger pets to travel as cargo, though some airlines won't carry specific breeds. I think they're talking specifically about the dog breeds that are snub nose, like yep, uh, bulldogs. Yep. Because I yeah. guess they have uh, trouble with yeah, breathing. Especially hot weather. I thought it was interesting that toward the end of this article, they were talking about like the number of pets that uh, have died during flights. Um, of these, uh, last year, uh, seven died. You know, I would have thought it would have yeah, been a bigger number, but I think that's pretty good. Only seven. Anyway, of these fatalities, six occurred on Hawaiian Airlines. <laughs> Whoa, that's wow. Good. What? <laughs> yeah. That's a little skewed on the on the statistics uh, here. Um, what are Hawaiian doing wrong? I don't know. And five of these were God. the short-faced dogs or the snub-nosed 
dogs. Well, perhaps that's a problem because if yeah. they're allowing those dogs with, you know, uh, difficulties in their airways, problems with their airways because of their breeding, then yeah. uh, they're more likely to have that kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, let's see. Meanwhile, uh, private jet companies have stepped in offering air travel for pets inside the plane without having them spend hours trapped in crates or carriers. Some like net jets and, uh, or maybe safe, yeah, safe jets them too, yeah. and uh, VistaJet have dedicated pet programs on VistaJet flights. Pets are fed prime cuts of meat. Wow. That's more than humans get on most flights. <laughs> Um, (laughs) they're offered toys and given a soft mat to sleep on. Oh, I'd like that too. Um, anyway, so the, the article goes on to talk about quite a few uh, animals on his planes. I think this, uh, new trend. Have you, um, what what was that question again? Quite a few animals on his various planes. Yeah. You, uh, she's saying uh, that she thinks that you have flown quite a few animals on, on your flights in the past. Oh, most certainly, but um, very rarely. In fact, I don't think I ever had one in the cabin. Oh. But uh, we regularly flew them uh, in the cargo hold. Um, we used to get it on the documentation, the limits for controlling temperature in the in the hold five, which is the rearmost hold where they were put. And they were all sorts of rules and regulations. So it wasn't like they, they were chucked up there without any regard. They weren't put in there containers until pretty close to uh, departure they had uh, water in there to get them through the journey um, they were put um, and specifically put so that the open end of their containers didn't face any natural enemies so cats and dogs weren't put the cages weren't put nose to nose um, they were kept apart and uh, you know sometimes uh, of course we'd have fresh salmon in the cargo hold as well. I thought that was a bit mean for the cats, but actually <laughs> dogs like salmon, don't they? Um, did they? What about the scorpions, like the ones in the picture behind you? Um, did, did <laughs> they you were allowed in the cabin, because the that's cabin? no okay. problem. You all the <laughs> scorpions you want in the scorpion. cabin. Yeah. Uh, so, we, and, uh, you know, never had a problem in my experience, but, uh, of course, you know, you never know. Were they offered prime happen. cuts of meat, though? That's what I'd like to know. No, I don't think it's good. If they're unsupervised, I don't think it's good to give them stuff to eat because yeah, last thing you want them to catch something in, yeah, in their throat and uh, then there's no one around to um, Give them a Heimlich maneuver. Exactly. Uh, this uh, paragraph I love. For years, Rusty Roof, um, and I thought that was a dog's name, uh, but it's actually what? a human, a 62-year-old startup advisor and investor who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area flew his dog across the country on Pet Airways, an airline founded in 2009, uh, the same year that I founded the uh, Catholic Pilot podcast, oh, wow. um, that carried only animals, but the company shut down several years ago because those animals just wouldn't yeah, pay up. Their apparently. credit cards get... I must admit, starting up uh, an airline specifically to help people move pets around seems a bit odd because... Almost all, in fact, I'd probably say every uh, existing exec jet uh, company probably offers a a very good service for passengers who want to take their pets with them on a flight. And they're going to have all the facilities that uh, this company could offer. uh, The only thing that they they might perhaps do, I don't know, uh, is um, take unaccompanied pets. So if you want to ship your 
pet without you being on the aircraft, then perhaps they uh, have a uh, um, animal handler in the cabin and the, the animals uh, get a very comfortable ride and there's someone in there to look after them since their owners won't be with them. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. No, uh, Ludger, uh, uh, the hold five was heated. It was the only hold in, the, in our Airbuses that did have uh, adjustable heating. But even the other holds... Um, were kept at a reasonable temperature because air from the cabin circulated through those cargo holds. So obviously air in the cabin is warm because it's comfortable for the passengers. And as it passes through those holds on its way to the um, the controlling valves that where it exits, uh, it's going to pass its heat to the animals there, or the luggage actually. <laughs> But no, hold five had individual uh, electric heaters, so you could control the temperature. Captain Nick is answering a question from one of those in our live chat room, in case you're wondering. Mm. Um, and uh, this from another in our live audience, um, Tim Van Ram says, uh, this, is, uh, this is Captain Poppy speaking. Sit back and smell your seatmate and enjoy the flight. <laughs> yeah, nice. She'd like that. I make that PA all the time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Captain Poppy. Mm. Yeah. Any, People uh, are going to think you're high. Yeah. Anything else uh, to add? Okay. No. It's expensive, though. I can add that. They said that, um, you know, one-way tickets between New York and Europe hover around 9000 per seat. Yikes. Yeah, it's not something you do without thinking about it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think let's get to know you. It's two time guys. for getting to know us. Mm-hmm. About us, getting to like us, getting to hope getting to you'll like us, like us too. too, or something like that. Yep. <laughs> Where's Steph? I miss Steph. She is not here to really I don't know. for we, singing. We we'll need see her, her back on board, yeah. as we do Rick and Nick. Yeah. You seem to have a lot to cover this week, Jeff. Well, not really. It's just a lot of words, uh, but really not much. Um, the uh, Speaking of Steph, I, I uh, plan on seeing her tomorrow. Uh, just a reminder to everyone. Well, heck, why don't we just, just talk about it right now, since it's the Getting to Know Us segment. I am planning on driving early tomorrow morning, uh, heading over to Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, in uh, an effort to attend the PTUK APG meetup with Carlos, who is uh, flying over from the UK, Armando, who lives in the area, and Steph, who also uh, lives in the area. And I am—I have a and note hopefully here. Hopefully, some others, yeah. To uh, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully you out there listening right now that uh, live in that surrounding area, we'd love to uh, see you at the Noda Brewing Company. And I'm trying to find my north, little right? That's the uh, North End uh, location. There are three locations. This one's at the North End on 150 West 32nd Street, Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, that is starting at 6 p.m. But... Uh, because I'm leaving early enough to arrive about midday in Charlotte and uh, get myself settled in a hotel 
Well, hopefully I can. I don't know what the check-in time is going to be. That might be kind of interesting. Well, we'll see what happens. Use um, your pilot card. I've been act, uh, asked by the um, host of the, um, or one of the hosts of the Plain Talking UK podcast, Matt. Uh, he has asked if I would be able to join him tomorrow on the uh, on their show. And so uh, I'm planning to bring some of my podcasting gear with me and, uh, yeah, plan to help out Matt and cover commercial, military, uh, et cetera, type of uh, news and commentary on the PTUK show starting at 2 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow afternoon. And then after that, I'll head over to uh, Noda Brewing and hopefully meet up with uh, a bunch of the people in the PTUK and APG communities. So there you go. Sounds like fun. It does sound like fun, Liz. And I think that's on the uh, APG community calendar that you can find on the airlinepilotguide.com website. Uh, Information again um, on how to get to the Noda Brewing Company uh, North End location. Uh, Let's see. Earlier this week, I flew a two-day overnight trip to Asheville, North Carolina. Nice, short, sweet. And um, that's pretty much it. I have almost took a trip that uh, would have deadheaded right about now to uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and then fly uh, a one leg back tomorrow morning. And uh, then I thought, nah, it's going to be kind of a hassle. There's no guarantee that I'm going to be able to shift my deadhead flight to later on so that I can, we could continue to record the show right now. So I went ahead and let that one go, but it would have been You are such a dedicated podcaster. I am a dedicated podcaster. Thank you, Liz. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. You've got a, you've got a overhead here, a slide. Oh, do I? Do you want to slow that slide? Oh, what? Okay. Throw the slide, show the slide and let me see what it is. I don't don't remember what I put in there. It's your, uh, RV. Oh yeah. Speaking of, um, part of our APG crew, uh, one, um, member of it that, uh, we don't, um, mentioned very often and his name is uh, Jim Mercado I think he's our brand ambassador. brand ambassador for the APG and I and uh, well Liz and I met up with him yesterday afternoon and because he had a proposal for us he uh, said you know I'm, I'm hearing you talk about your um, future in the uh, APG mobile studio uh, my leisure travel van unity Uh, motorhome that I'm hopefully going to take delivery of sometime before the end of the year and before I retire. And he said, uh, have you considered maybe branding? And I'm thinking, hmm, no, I hadn't really thought about it. So this is what we've come up with here. You like that? That That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very understated. Um, and the nice nice thing about this, the, the fireworks and, and apparently, uh, Jim's going to work it so that I can just hit a switch and then just launch fireworks as I'm just driving down the road. (laughs) I think that's pretty, (laughs) let's just singing and the rockets red glare. (laughs) Um, yeah. So no, that is not what, uh, although I have to say <laughs> there's something appealing about, about oh, that. that. I, I'd love it. I think it looks great. Tim Van Ram's too. got a good suggestion. I would add a mustache on the grill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why not? Yeah. I, I think that's a good idea, Tim. 
Um, let me see. I think I can share, and I, I think it's okay um, for us to share some of the design ideas uh, that um, uh, that Jim have come up. By the way, Jim's the one that came up with the whole uh, Ac- Fly Acme Airlines logo. And uh, so it, it was just very, very nice of him. He's such a great guy. He's so, always thinking. Always thinking, yeah. Always thinking about promotional items for uh, for our show. And I'm trying to talk and find the screen that I want to share at the same time. Can you throw that up there, Liz? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Find it. Oh, yeah, there we go. Right there. Got it. Um, okay, so let's uh, continue on. So he had some various concept ideas. You know, this is very understated, just on the doors. Uh, there's one that's a little bit less understated uh, you know, on the sides of the, uh, the motorhome. And uh, this is the one that I kind of really liked, uh, was that it's, it's very understated, kind of a... You know, you have mm-hmm. to really be looking for it, you know, to, to see no. it there um, on the on the sides as well. But I, I kind of like that. I think we all agreed that this was kind of the, the way we wanted to go. Although I did notice, Liz, after the, we had the meeting that um, the uh, exterior color scheme that I've actually chosen is is actually dark. That's the one you like. The The one that I like is a little bit darker. I thought I liked it. And uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Here's oh, wow. one that's a little bit um, bolder toward the end. But as I said, this is the one that uh, I like the best. Oops, I can't. Uh, there we go. Okay, that one right there. And then I said, what about the back? And he said, oh, yeah, we can do a little bit of logo action back there on the on the back of the vehicle. And no, that's not a window. That's just a solid uh, painted uh, fiberglass cap on the back. And uh, he even said, oh, and we can get a special window (laughs) blocker. Now, you know, this won't be up while I'm driving. It'll be, you know, folding, you know, sunscreen kind of uh, thing. Yeah, that's not a heads up display. That is not a heads up display, no. And uh, anyway, so it was really cool that uh, we got a chance to talk with uh, our brand ambassador regarding, um, you know, getting some something on the motorhome so that when I'm at Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and all the many, many, many uh, meetups that I plan on doing as I travel across the country, um, you know, it'll, it'll be something that might catch people's attention, but not be too, you know, audacious. No, you've got to go for the blue one. I'm sorry. I, I'm <laughs> outvoting you here. Okay. All those gray ones look just so boring, Jeff. I know. Got to go for the blue one. Okay. Well, we have time to think about it uh, before. Yeah. We, we can talk here. Yeah, look at it. Isn't it I love, even the wheels are blue. I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And those, those uh, fireworks will be very useful if anyone ever shoots a missile at you. Mm. You would have set them off and lure those missiles away. Okay. What, what do they call that system on airplanes? Uh, chaff and flares. Chaff, chaff and flares, yeah. Chaff nice. is the metal bits and flares are the infrared bits. Yeah, so I don't need to have the chaff, just the flares. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. the chaff can be useful if there's um, a policeman around with a radar oh. gun. You can jam oh, his yeah. radar gun. Good point. And if you make them really, really sharp, then people behind me, uh, kind of like a James Bond thing. They'll, their tires yeah, will be like James Bond. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, kind of yeah. exploding. Or, or their the eyes. Shrapnel. Explode, or their eyes. Yes. Yeah, I guess I need to be careful about the legal <laughs> ramifications. <sighs> anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. 
And uh, that's it for me. Captain Nick, what have you been up oh, to, sir? brilliant. Uh, well, uh, I'm starting to get very busy on the Bowling Green, so I paid my first county match, just a, uh, a first-round uh, two-woods game. So you, normally you would play singles with forwards, but there is a version where you play with just two-woods, and uh, I bested a, a, an elderly gentleman who um, had a, quite a nice country club, but... Uh, uh, he uh, he was just uh, didn't quite have the skill anymore, which is always a bit sad because he's obviously been a great bowler in his time. Anyway, it was a very nice afternoon uh, bowling. Enjoyed that. And uh, lots more. In fact, I'm bowling almost every day next week, so I, I might find it a little hard <laughs> coming in for a show. Oh, by the by. Well, we'll see. I mean, you've been darn consistent Mr. Uh, loyal yeah, yeah so, well, i uh, do my best there's no doubt about it yeah. i really enjoyed our little chat am i allowed to say more yeah. to the audience absolutely now? absolutely super well uh jeff is coming out to watch the british grand prix in the beginning of july so it's uh i think it's the second weekend in july is the grand prix and we're we're going to go up there together uh, for a three lovely days and uh, soak up the uh, the whole atmosphere of uh, Formula One racing. Um, but he's going to have a few days before and a few days after um, when he is going to be kicking around, uh, generally speaking, at my place. And um, we're going to have a show uh, during... Um, that maybe even two, we don't know, haven't decided. But he also uh, thought it would be really nice to have a UK meetup uh, with Captain Jeff because you don't get to see him very often. So uh, I know it would be a very popular meetup. And uh, it just so happens now, uh, five years ago this month, I uh, sorted out the first of the APG meetups, uh, which I conducted on my own. Uh, in the UK, it was at the RAF Museum uh, in Hendon, which is North London. Anyway, this was my thought. Hello there, dear listeners. It's uh, Captain Nick here. Um, just to give you some news, uh, you may not know, but Captain Jeff is going to be coming to Europe, well, specifically to the United Kingdom, in the beginning of July this year. He's coming over to watch the uh, Grand Prix, the British Grand Prix. Uh, but while he's here, we're hoping to do a show, possibly two, but more importantly, have a UK meetup. Now, if you're interested, um, we're, well, it's five years ago, we had one at the RAF Museum at Hendon uh, in North London, and that was very successful. I think it was one of the first meetups. It was just me on my own. Uh, but now we've got Captain Jeff, and I'm thinking that might be a nice venue to uh, have for uh, us all to meet Captain Jeff and enjoy a, uh, a great day with him. Um, the states we're thinking, not firm yet, but somewhere around the middle of the week, uh, the first week of uh, July, so the 4th, 5th or 6th, that's a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, uh, starting at the RAF Museum, probably in the afternoon, but obviously some of you uh, who might want to meet him will be working uh, and can't get away. So we would then, when the museum closes around five o'clock, we'd adjourn to a um, hostelry 
uh, either nearby or just somewhere in North London uh, for a few beers and a bite to eat. Uh, and um, then, you know, you'd get a chance uh, to leave work perhaps and come find us uh, if you were able. Well, that's the sort of basic idea. Uh, if anyone's got any suggestions, that would be great. I'm going to put something on Facebook um, indicating, you know, how it's all going and giving all the details. And if you've got anything to add, please uh, do so there. Or perhaps you can email uh, in the normal addresses to uh, the APG uh, email address. That's it, really. Uh, love to see you all, especially if you can make it across from uh, Europe, uh, the mainland, to uh, the UK and uh, come and see Captain Jeff, because I'm sure uh, we'd love to give him a very warm welcome here in the UK. All right, that's it. All the best from me back to the studio. Well, Captain Jeff and Captain Nick, yeah, he's going to be there too. <laughs> I got somebody's got to you know drive me there, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, someone someone's got to be yeah, on driver duty, definitely. Somebody's got to be. Uh, the although adult. I'm hoping we'll take the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess your your lovely wife Jilly may have to be there and be our designated driver, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any hope for that. No? <laughs> Sorry, okay. Jeff. No, we'll just have to <laughs> find a place we're nearby the, train. the pub <laughs> or the train. Oh, yeah. That's right, the train. Yeah. Good point. Something we're on like the that. train. Yeah. So really looking forward to uh, seeing Me you, too. obviously. And uh, if we can have a meetup and if there's an, enough interest, and I'm sure there will be, uh, and we can find uh, suitable venues, then uh, let's all do that. Um, and um, there you go. Put it in your diaries. We'll probably won't finalize the date until we've got most other things sorted out, but we'll try and give you enough notice to take a day off work or whatever perhaps you can just go sick for a day go take a sickie yeah anyway um shall i go on to the artwork we shall uh we had plenty of really good suggestions uh, for a show title last week uh one of which is behind me because i i did two i did uh scorpions on a plane which uh I quite liked, but for some reason, the um, artificial intelligence of uh, Mid-Journey didn't, <laughs> didn't know what a scorpion was. It produced lots of ugly-looking insects, but none of them were actually scorpions, so I added lots of other uh, animals in there. Anyway, that was scorpions on the plane. But the other was uh, involved snarge, uh, and I'd never heard of that. Uh, it was a new word to me, so... Mm -hmm. uh, the title was the National Snarge <laughs> Lab. And for those who haven't listened or weren't, didn't listen to last week's, Snarge is a, a sort of a made-up word, but it refers to the goo left uh, when an animal gets squished. So we're in the airline industry, we're specifically talking about the the, the messy remains of a bird strike or an animal strike uh, are you know, that you might have on landing, bird strike in the air or whatever. And uh, apparently there are, there's a lab that um, tells you what the species was yeah. by um, doing tests on the snarge, the, which is the term for the gooey uh, remains. So Yeah, you, you can you find uh, tubes of snarge at the uh, local grocery store. It adds a lot of flavor <laughs> to stews and soups and <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, and a, a Captain Hat's tip to... Tim Van Ram Tim uh, Van for Ram? the feedback yeah. that he sent in regarding to, uh, that 
that term, Snarge, that yeah. word, snarge. Absolutely, yeah. Tim is responsible for the National Snarge Lab. That's right. Any complaints? Uh, and uh, I think the AI did a pretty good job of uh, producing a disgusting. Oh, it's, it's a In fact, my first effort of describing what I wanted came back with a violation against uh, normal norms of decency. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had to reword it all so that uh, oh. it didn't think I was doing something, uh, you oh, know, out of kill bill. Work. Mm. Exactly. Out of, yeah, out of some uh, snuff movie. Oh, um, but uh, it, I think it did a fantastic job uh, anyway of uh, some really so awful looking there, animal remains. Yeah. No animal that I've ever, <laughs> ever seen. Wow. Anyway, nice. that was a great uh, show. I love all Thanks the blood that, that's Tim. splattered all over the place. Yep. And if uh, you're looking for the hidden show number, it's on one of the glass bottles uh, just uh, to, uh, you know, stage left. Okay. In amongst. Uh, the uh, oh, I see it. Yeah. Very good. Very nice. Oh, that was fun. As soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we've got a a good title for next week as or for this show anyway so i'm yeah. looking forward to that one all right well as Excellent. always thank you very much for your creativity sir and uh love it and i'm no problem really okay. enjoy it and uh now it's time for us to talk about uh the way that you can support the show financially if you have the resources johnny how much more coffee sure thing the coffee fund. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. I see you taking cup, that. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm taking the my uh, earphone out, Liz. Not because of your singing, but so I could hear my own singing. Um. Yeah, so the Coffee Fund, your way to support the show financially if you uh, desire. Uh, it's kind of a value-for-value value kind of a system where if you find value in listening to our shows, uh, then uh, send us something to reflect that, If uh, again, if you have the resources for that. And uh, a couple different ways to do it. Uh, one is the Coffee Fund Classic method, which is basically a PayPal donation site. And... Uh, Mostly used for one or two offs, you know, every now and then kind of contributions. Uh, although we do, as I mentioned before, have recurrent, recurring contributors using that, uh, that mechanism. And the other way to support the show, uh, most of you are doing it this way uh, via Patreon. Uh, you can become a patron of the show, uh, set a certain amount, a pledge a certain amount per episode. And uh, that really helps us out. We've got a bunch of people doing that. So we do appreciate you, all of you out there who have contributed in the past and continue to do so in the present. Uh, so consider it. You'll be glad you did. And we will too. Ah, oh, that's the sad little puppy. We don't have any new uh, contributors uh, this week, but uh, we know that we'll have some in the future. So thank you for that. Airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee if you want to learn more about how you can become you part of the break, coffee Jeff? bar club. No, I think I'm good, Liz. Uh, Captain uh, Nick, have you already taken care of that? I am. Um, I've taken care of business. Yes, you yes. bet, sir. All right. Well, then let's take care of this business then. You guys are whipping along here. It's going to be a short show. Captain. 
Incoming message. Control room saying, hey, we're just, you know, just whipping through or whatever uh, the term is, uh, these uh, news items and uh, coming up on the feedback. And it might end up being a shorter show than normal, which might be kind a of shorter nice. show. A shorter show. Shorter yeah. show. Okay. That's just what I said. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> an hour. Right. One hour. We're at one hour. I hear the, uh, the alarm going off in the background of the control room. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, continue as i said with some feedback uh, the first item of feedback we have is from sherry and um they say uh i'm a researcher at oklahoma state university who is launching the first ever anonymous study regarding the effects of mandates and the covid19 vaccine on the u.s commercial pilot cadre Any help you can provide in disseminating the survey to your listeners is greatly appreciated. And then uh, they send, is Sherry, um, um, I'm I'm assuming that that's a female name, but I guess it could be a guy's name I believe so. No, yes, I think Sherry's a female. uh, Well, I I guess I could, instead of saying he or she, I could say they, them, uh, put a link to this uh, survey uh, in... It'll be in the show notes. It's okstatepilotstudy.com. And uh, as, as I said, uh, or as she said, a completely anonymous study vaccine effects among U.S. commercial pilots. Take the survey, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, the intent is to continue with what we do as aviators with regards to the pandemic. Complete a debriefing. What did we do well? What did we do poorly? How can we improve safety going forward? Without hard data, our industry is left to those who sensationalize for likes and clicks. Data is the only way we can determine truth. uh, Anonymity is guaranteed through the world-renowned Qualtrics platform and the Oklahoma State University Institutional Review Board Certification for Human Research Studies. Wow, that's a mouthful. Thank you for your consideration and assistance. I'm happy to answer any questions. And this, again, from Captain Sherry Walker. And uh, so we're, as I said, let's help out Captain Sherry and uh, fill out this, um, this, this study or survey if you're a U.S.-based commercial pilot. And again, well, it'll be in the show notes for you. All right. You going to do it, Jeff? I am going to do it, Liz. Cool. Oh, the survey? Hmm, not yeah. sure. I hadn't thought of that. No, I'm just kidding. Hmm. Um, Eugene um, sent us, oh, you know, he was a Coffee Fund contributor on an earlier show. And I think he also sent in some feedback that we covered on that show, but uh, he also sent this in, unless maybe we just never, ever covered his feedback uh, after that. I don't know. Um Here we go. Dear APG crew at the helm, dear Liz, Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, Dr. Steph, Miami Rick, and low and slow pilot Nick. Longtime APG listener since the 300s. Oh, yeah. A couple of hundred shows ago. Uh, Second time APG feedbacker here. Yep. I thought it's time for another message to you guys. At this time, I wanted to hear your opinion on sustainable aviation fuel or SAF. Last time taxiing through the Frankfurt airport, I saw a huge container with SAF and asked myself the question, are we there yet to go green with it? We're going green. We're going green. I haven't heard this for a long time. 
We're going green. Oh, yeah. I love that one. Um, after researching a bit through the internet, I was grounded by the fact that the EU plans to have only 2% in 2025, 5% in 2030, and 63-85% in 2050 of SAF, or uh, Sustainable Aviation Fuel, of all aviation fuel demand. Uh, in EASA, you know, in EASA countries? He's not sure. Question mark. This sounds uh, like right now it's just a marketing gag or helper to foster CO2 emission offsets. What do you think? Will this be the future for airliners versus electric or hydrogen propulsion? What do you think, Nick? I think it is part of the future, undoubtedly, because uh, you can't just make the jump immediately into an electric or hydrogen powered aircraft we um we know that electric power has its problems and is more likely to be popular in light aircraft and in uh, short range uh, small commuter aircraft because of the problem of maintaining or getting enough energy on board to do a long flight you can't do that at the moment with the current standard of battery technology um, but um hydrogen has its own problems, um, not only with production, uh, but also with um, developing engines that uh, can deal with it uh, easily. Um, the engine design has been so refined um, around carbon fuels that we currently use. Um, I think we're going to have to, uh, I, the average jet engine can't just start using hydrogen it's it's going to be a specifically developed engine that will be able to cope with it because of there are going to be a lot of technical problems involved uh with it uh, that's, that's undoubtedly true um so we i think we're going to get there uh electric for short distances hydrogen for long haul uh, i think it will be um definitely a possibility in the meantime to try and meet carbon reduction goals, we're going to have to find a, a way. And one of the ways is reusing um, a frying oil that has been, uh, you know, be it, it's no longer suitable for putting into our fish and chip shops and uh, various other places that use it. Uh, but you might be able to clean it up and uh, mix it with aviation fuel uh, and make it an acceptable um boost to the reduce the levels of carbon fuels that we're sucking out of earth by burning this fryer fuel instead um whether we get enough and uh we make that um available in uh, big enough quantities for all the airlines to use and whether the engine manufacturers uh, clear it that there are an awful lot of uh, hurdles to jump before we can do it, but a lot of airlines have done technology demonstrations where they've had perhaps one engine uh, and one fuel tank has been used with um, uh, a reconstitutive frying oil or something similar and successfully fired up the engine and got it to run for a flight, etc. To be able to do it in general throughout the in, entire fleets is a is a different matter uh, and let's just remember that um you know the days when you hear of a 
double engine failure on a two engine aircraft uh, or worse a four engine failure on a four engine aircraft the first thing that we as pilots think of is is there a problem with the fuel system is that's what's because that's the one factor that will affect all four engines at the at a similar time same time uh, and um, you know was the right fuel put in or is there a problem and I think that's something that would be in the background of all um, pilots who would be asked to fly aircraft with this technology have we had sufficient experimentation is are we assured of its uh, success uh, using it long term so I think it's a great idea um, course it would be nice uh, and the thing about using this type of oil uh stuff that you can grow it <laughs> so you can grow it and then refine it and away you go uh, you don't have to dig it out of the ground it obviously still releases carbon when uh, you burn it but uh, of course you know it's it's naturally derived so there's a much smaller penalty uh, in the amount of carbon you're throwing into the atmosphere yeah but there are several, you know, major obstacles that uh, have to be cleared for yeah. for us to uh, get to that point. And that's probably why that projection that uh, Eugene was talking about is so far into the future. But uh, yeah, I mean, the reason I'm going back to frying oil here is that in front of that sustainable aviation fuel uh, container, is a big sign that says fry to fly. So we can fry, oh, we're sorry, we can fly 100% CO neutral with fuel made from used frying oil. So this particular company, I think, is one that manages to gather and then convert uh, old uh, oil from oil, yeah. fryers. Well, the, the nice thing about it is that uh, you go to the airport in the future, burning this stuff, it smells like uh, French fries. Fish and chips. Fish and mm -hmm. chips. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you gonna yes, uh, Brad says uh, in our audience here, perhaps the gaseous passenger from the last show could be given frequent flyer status along with others to assist in providing an additional fuel source for the aircraft. That's Absolutely, the yeah. The There's right a there. lot of things you can burn mm -hmm. uh, in this world. We're not talking about the passenger, though. We're just talking about his gaseous uh, emissions. Uh, Neil Landworm says biofuels do have a problem in that they take away land that can be used for growing food. Yeah, there are a lot of complex complexities regarding all this stuff because it's just like, you know, if you, you gain a certain advantage in one area, then something is probably going to have to suffer in another. So it's all about, I guess, the balance of uh, figuring this out. Um, yeah. Oh, and then uh, Eugene also adds, also on a side note, I have to say that I heard that there was an APG community meetup at the Aero 2023 Aviation Show in Friedrichshafen, and I missed it this time, and then I put, uh, what? I don't... I, I think I may yes, have. Yes, we had it on the show. Well, we, we talked about it on the show, the show, but we didn't hear. We haven't heard a, a, a meetup report. No, we haven't heard it. You're right. No so I, I, you know, how do we know it really took place, Liz? I mean, okay. unless we have <laughs> proof. I mean, unless did they record? If a tree falls in the forest, did they record audio from the feedback? Did they anybody send in feedback regarding this uh, supposed slackers meetup? I don't think so. <laughs> so until I see evidence, it did not happen. So don't worry, Eugene. You didn't miss anything. Anyway, however, my Avgeek heart. What, uh, 
Doubting Thomas said. Yes. However, my <laughs> Abdeek heart was refueled with a lot of aviation content, including flying the Technum P2012 Traveler as a co-pilot uh, seat passenger over Lake Constance and seeing the Gulfstream G500 close and in live for the first time ever. Uh, next year, I'll be there again, and maybe next time I can take part in the APG community meetup. Yeah, Eugene, you're, you're probably going to have to organize it, and then you'll have to record everything just to, again, to prove that it really did happen. That's a very sexy-looking airplane, but what's the pot plant for? The what? The pot plant. The potted plant Oh, next um, to the plane. Oh, I mean, I'm where does that go? Do you stick it on the oh. top or...? I down an engine or I'm not sure. It's biofuel. And is that yellow hose uh, pushing or pulling? Is it sucking uh, air in, vacuuming blowing air in, or sucking yeah. it out? They're vacuuming the uh, the interior. Apparently, it was yeah, one of those be. pet flights. Yeah. I think. Um, ah, might be. And yes. scorpions, yeah. Good the point. cleaners. Yeah, um, I think I'm thinking that uh, the uh, plant is perhaps uh, the way that they're going to make uh, biofuel. For, uh, yeah. Ah, there you go. Grow it as you fly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Going green. Well, going green. Fast. Again, oh, okay. That bamboo can grow very fast. We're going green. Love it. We're going green. What are we going to do? We're going to take, take care of the earth. earth. We're going green. Excellent. Okay. Ah, that was Pedro. fun. All right. Let's go to uh, the next item. Pedro. Uh, he said, hello, Captain Jeff and APG crew. My name is Pedro, and I'm a captain with a legacy Western European airline, Euroacme. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Uh, flying the A320 family based in Lisbon. I had the good fortune to be one of the first guys to cross the Atlantic on the new A321neo long-range version into your side of the pond. When COVID started, my airline was hit right in the middle of an expansion, and I was left hanging out to dry. The airline, contrary to all others in Europe, ended up being fully nationalized and being run by politicians. You can guess how good it has been since that. I managed to get kind of a furlough, courtesy of one of my daughters being born during COVID. Yep, lockdown sure kept me busy at home. Not only TV. <laughs> Uh, to maintain the almighty recency, I became a contract pilot for a low-cost operator on the other side of the continent. A shock of cultures, aeronautical and social. This gave me the chance of experiencing the other side of commercial aviation with ultra low cost, uh, the ultra-low-cost side. Funny how a little bug managed to change so many people's lives and how much resilient we pilots managed to be. Over here, got to know a lot of guys that were flying all around the world, and even a former British Army Apache pilot, meanwhile turned Virgin Atlantic FO, with whom I had the pleasure of doing the operator conversion course. Kind of a Captain Nick lookalike, per se. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I, I resemble that remark. He's just being uninvited to his house. I think he meant that as a compliment. So every other week, I position myself into places that I've never heard or dreamed of. And during those positioning flights, you guys managed to keep me company and with my spirits up. Nice job. Well, thank you. I also did some flying with flight safety over at Vero Beach. So I can relate to a lot of aviation stuff that you talk about with regards to general aviation. It actually transports me in time. I'll eventually go back home and return to Euro Acme, having had the opportunity to try something different from my day job. 
Not many people in our line of work are able to do it without losing their places in the seniority list. Hopefully, I'll come out of this whole COVID life-changing experience a more wiser, richer in the airmanship sense and experienced aviator. Anyway, the point here is to thank you all for being the support I needed during this journey. The faces of the flight attendants during those positioning flights when they see me laughing with no apparent reason when I have my (laughs) headphones listening to your show always brightens my day. And that's on you. Well, thank you. Big cheers to you all. Keep the inspiration going, Pedro. Very nice. Oh, great Great feedback, feedback. Pedro. That's really nice. Get some compliments for a change. Yeah, instead of all those hate, all that hate mail that we get oh, yeah, from people. Oh, yeah, it's so depressing. I know. Get a life, people. Come on. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't get any hate mail. <laughs> well, yeah, you I know, mean, uh, I, I misread that last paragraph. Did you? Uh, when it said the faces of the flight attendants, I, I misread faces. Oh, what did you think? Oh, never mind. No. <laughs> uh, let's. I was thinking back to uh, the, the traveling with dogs and things. Ah, okay. Okay. Do you think we should uh, move on, control room? Yes, yeah, fast, definitely. Okay, good, yeah. Uh, very quickly, uh, Vernon sent us some feedback. He said, I subscribe to a good, clean, uh, funny list for daily chuckles. Thought you'd enjoy this one. APG addict, among other things. Vernon Tryon in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Um, okay, here's the deal from the uh, GCFL.net. Uh, Part of the passenger arrival briefing from the lone flight attendant on a United Express O'Hare to Memphis flight. Quote, please remove all personal items from the aircraft. Any items left on board can be found at my yard sale next Sunday. (laughs) I've I've, I've made that kind of uh, um, PA before and said you can find your object on eBay if you're lucky. Yeah. One of our senior flight attendants used to uh, make PAs all during the boarding, and he'd be holding up this a huge bra, and he'd say, "We've just found a, a size forty-eight bra in the toilet with the owner. <laughs> Please come and claim this forty-eight double D bra uh, and various other terrible things." Yeah, oh, that's funny. All right, continuing on with uh, Robert in uh, Tucker, Georgia. Uh, I think you all have covered the retirement of the CRJ-200, but I thought I would share this article from South Georgia, notably first-class seats now being sold on the uh, about an hour flight to my hometown on a uh, -700 or -900. Yeah, I would imagine it's, it's a shorter flight than that. Maybe a block from block to block, it might be around an hour. If I'm not mistaken, this hasn't happened in decades since turboprops took over these short routes, likely around the time of deregulation. That would have been in the late 70s, I think. Uh, Now, with the pilot shortage, there's yet another push to get rid of the small planes. My first flight ever was back in the 80s on a 30-seat ASA Embraer 120. Um, And uh, so he sent us a link to this article from WALB. Uh, which is, of course, the local affiliate in Albany, Georgia, or Albany, a lot of people pronounce it. Um, And I I believe at one time, Albany, Georgia, was actually the state capital of Georgia. I think it started in, in, um, uh, gosh darn it, now uh, like Savannah, there we go. Savannah was one of the colonies, and I think that was the first state capital when it became a state. 
then at some point it was in Albany, uh, Georgia, and then maybe a couple of other places, but uh, now it's has been in Atlanta for quite some time. Anyway, that was just me. A little aside there, a little history. Starting Monday, May 1st, Delta, which has already occurred, will start using larger aircraft to fly people in and out of Albany. Currently, passengers fly on a CRJ-200. Albany officials said that the model has less space, fewer seats, and does not have a first-class option, and you have to crick your head down a little bit to see anything out the window. That's not in the article. I just added that. The new planes will take off out of the Albany airport will be the CRJ-700 and-900 aircraft. That has a little chart comparing. We all know the differences uh, on this show, but uh, this was written for the public at large, I guess. Um, anyway, so lots of good news, Robert. Um, well, well, it is in one respect, but are they really putting bigger aircraft on because they're shorter that the pilots needed to fly more smaller aircraft? Is that what I'm getting from the story? I don't think so. I think they're just trying to get rid of the CRJ-200s because they're old and ah, okay. people complain All about right. them. And yeah. So, All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, continuing on, this is from AJ. Uh, hi there, Captain Jeff and crew. Uh, with the uh, frequent news of pilot shortages in the U.S. and around the world, I found myself wondering if Acme Airlines was hiring. Turns out they are. I'm more than proud to say I'll be at Acme's headquarters from June 5 through the 14th for indoctrination, or indoc as the cool kids like to say. I know the 50% correctness of the FOM, the Flight Operations Manual and Systems Classes, will set me up for great success in my new career. <laughs> it certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can count on it. Hopefully you're in the area for a meetup whilst I'm around. But if uh, not, cheers, happy flying, and thank you all for the APG show and community. And we're showing the picture here. And apparently uh, AJ is a uh, an American Yee-haw! cowboy. Soon-to-be first officer, AJ, and American cowboy. Awesome. Uh, now, if he's an American he looks cow- a very happy chap. Yeah, very he? happy. Uh, if, if he's yeah. an American cowboy, why did why did he use the word whilst? That is a clear. Ah, uh, uh, you see, I, my language use is starting yep. to get around. That's what you I think like. so? Is that why he used that word? Yeah, I think it might okay. be language influencer. Yeah, well, I like it, by the way, AJ. That's very good. Yep, I I did. Um, you know, uh, respond right away when we received this uh, email from him, and I congratulated him and. Um, I told him that if I happen to be around during the 5th through the 14th, that uh, we should certainly get together and uh, share a beer or two. Well, not share. I'm going to have my own, and he can have his own. (laughs) uh, One beer, two straws, please. (laughs) And perhaps maybe even an impromptu, you know, little meetup somewhere, maybe down near the airport or whatever. So. Yeah, I noticed his paperwork also has a fine logo on it. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, the Acme Airlines. Fly Acme Airlines. uh, AJ wears a very smart suit for a cowboy, if you don't mind me saying. you know, you can really uh, dress those cowboys up, man. He's a rhinestone cowboy. We need to see his boots, though, to see if he's a real cowboy. Okay, well, yeah, AJ, please send some pictures of your boots. (laughs) And, and I can't wait uh, for everybody to hear um, Liz singing something in the background, which uh, is just priceless. It's special, isn't it? A rhinestone cowboy. 
All right. Okay. Um, was this no? This was that one from AJ Shram. No, that's yeah, I think they're both same AJ. AJ? I think, yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, I don't know. Let me check. Okay, she's gonna I'm look up sure. that. But anyway, I'm this is sure. from AJ Shram. We're assuming it's the same AJ. Uh, he says, "I thought y'all might get a chuckle out of this. It's a weather app that provides snarky commentary as you give uh, get live METAR data from any ICAO airport." Links for yes, please. No, no. AJ Shram is is the one you're doing now. Yeah. The Acme hiring was. Okay, so the they're not the same AJ. I met of an AJ in uh, in Tulsa. Um, I wonder if that's oh. the same. Is that the same AJ? Uh, I'm getting so confused now. And then there, of course, there's JJ. It well, just gets really confusing, especially for old people like me, who can hardly <laughs> you know remember my own name. Um, anyway, uh, so I thought that he was referring to what's that uh, funny app that um, we always talk about, oh, Carrot yeah. or something like that. Uh, that kind of oh the the weather app that Steph introduced us all right. to that sways a WTF lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's called WTF. Okay. W- WT oh, yeah. forecast. WT uh, forecast. Oh, what the forecast? It looks, it looks like WTF. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but this is different, and so let me uh, share my screen. Hopefully, this will work. And uh, it's actually it's actually an iPad and an iOS app. But I think that I can get it to uh, show up um, here on my Mac. Killing me. Oh, I know. Well, just hang in there, Liz. It's going to be okay. We'll get it. All right, here we go. And uh, let's see. It should be available for me to share right now. Add to stream. There you go. So I put in the IKO identifier KATL, or I like to refer to it as CATL. Um, and, uh, this says, um, marginal VFR, you're sweaty or sweating because it's 22 degrees. Your packs will be sweating due to your flying skills. <laughs> um, so it does have a little snarky commentary. Oh, that's a bit there. rude. <laughs> it is rude. Um, so let me see, I'm going to put in, um, let me, uh, find it. Uh, let me put in something like, um, C-Y-Y-Z. C-Y-Y-Z. Okay. C-Y-Y-Z, which is Toronto. And it says, uh, oh, <laughs> I can't say everything on this. Oh, is it rude? Uh, great. I 13 centigrade. Now you have something to blame your crappy landing on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got to see, see what okay. Heathrow is. That's E-G-L-L. E-G-G-L. Oh. Okay, uh, let's see. Dew point eight. Your CFI does not want to fly with you today. It has nothing to do with the weather, though. (laughs) (laughs) Showing clear skies, 6.21 miles visibility, and uh, winds are 110 degrees at 8 knots, 16 degrees, which is 61 degrees in freedom units. Uh, The squeezing force is 3032 inches of mercury. Mercury. Squeezing force. Yeah, Very good. That was interesting. And uh, the dew point or the wet point is eight degrees. So looks like a pretty nice, dry, beautiful day you have there in London. Yeah, we have been a very pleasant day. That's for sure. What's another one? Let's see. What Charlotte? Uh, let's see what Steph is experiencing. Case CTL? Yep. CLT. CLT, I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Dew point 12. It's way too cold. Let me give you your flying agenda today. Prime, 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 backfire, cracked exhaust, 
dead battery. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's no good. That poor old caravan has had it then. Yeah, apparently. What about JFK? JFK. Oh, okay. Let's see what that will give us. K, J, F, K. Um, visibility 10 miles. If you push the stick forward, houses get bigger unless you're upside down. Go for it. <laughs> so you actually get some good uh, flying uh, lessons uh, yes. uh, and advice. Yeah, yeah. On this. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. So uh, thank you, AJ Schramm, for letting us know about that. The uh, link to uh, the, the both in the uh, Google Play Store and the Apple App Store will be in our show notes. Okay, moving on. We're just clipping right I've through these things, aren't we? From, uh, you bet. Oh, we got some video? Okay. Yeah, 10 minutes oh, worth, this so we get to take a little break, break here, here because we have a nice yeah. long uh, video feedback from... Uh, well, he's going to introduce himself in the video, so let me uh, yeah. load this sucker up. And load uh, him up. Let me see. I need to remove that, and I need to load up that video. And We're uh, just coming up to the hour and a half mark, Jeff. Okay, thank you, Liz. And open, and take it away, you video feedback person. You. Hey there, Captain Jeff. Captain Nick. Dr. Steph, Liz, Miami Rick, other Nick, and anybody else who may be co-hosting or is not there but has been a co-host. Hi, guys. And hello to the ABG community. This is James Graves Brown, uh, a.k.a. Captain Ridiculous Wits, a.k.a. the James of All Trades, a.k.a. the Master of None. I just wanted to come and bring you guys a feedback today because recently my wife and I made a trip to Egypt. We spent 11 days there and had epic adventures, and it was amazing. And if any of you are ever thinking about it, definitely do it. It's definitely worth it. So my feedback is on the trip over there. So this was my first experience with business class as well as my my wife's first experience with business class. We sprung for the business class since it was also my first international trip and my first time on a heavy jet. So we sprung for the business class since I want, you know, I figured if we're going to be in the air for darn near 11 hours, I want to be super comfortable and we were. So we flew Albuquerque to Phoenix on American Airlines through a, a mix-up with the travel planner who through her and my wife's communication she thought we lived in Phoenix. So she started our trip from Phoenix on Delta flying to LAX and then LAX to Charles de Gaulle on Air France, Charles de Gaulle to Cairo Air France. But then she found out we lived in Albuquerque and had to add, add an American Airlines flight. So that's why. Now, we get to LAX, we get to our gate, we're flying a 777-300ER, beautiful jet. And we're standing in line, zone one, to our right is zone two, to our left is zone three and zone four. And there's two lines on zone two, and then one line for each three and four, and then the line that we're in for zone one. Now, I'm facing away from the boarding terminal, and I see a golf cart pull up, and Air France flight attendant gets off of the golf cart and there's five other people who get off. The guy sitting next to the flight attendant, he's wearing a green jumpsuit. He's very flashy, bright, bright, yellow hair, tattoos. And I kind of glance over as he points towards a gift shop that he has tattoos all over his hands. He's got real long fingernails. They're colorful and blingy, if you will. And for context, this guy, my wife has been a fan of for years. He's a makeup conglomerate. He's a, he's a, he's a makeup guru. 
who has a huge empire. He's also an influencer, he's also a YouTuber, and he's also a dog person, as you can see we are. Uh, Daisy just walked up and walked away. This is Duke over here. This is Honey. And we have two others inside. But my wife and I don't have kids, we have dogs. These are our kids. So anyway, I kind of said to my wife, I said, man, that guy looks like Jeffree Star. And she turned around and she's like, oh my God, that is Jeffree Star. So again, she's a huge fan because all of his products, his makeup line is vegan. All the products are vegan and he doesn't test on animals, so no animal cruelty. So that's real big for my wife. So we've been buying her his makeup products for years and she's been watching his videos for years. So, you know, we're big fans. So they walk in, Jeffree Star and his crew, as well as the Air France flight attendant walk over to the gift shop. They're in there for a few minutes, then they come out and the Air France flight attendant escorts them onto the plane, ahead of the lines, obviously. So, obviously, he's flying La Premiere, which escort is included, as well as a limo and all kinds of stuff. So, obviously, he's flying La Premiere because he gets first crack at boarding and escorted the whole way. Well, as he's walking right by us, I thought, man, I'm, I should stop him and ask for, for a picture for my wife because she's such a big fan. This probably be the only chance we'll ever get. And then I looked around and saw that there was darn near 300 other people waiting to get on this plane, and I thought, probably not a great great idea to cause a stir because then it's going to delay boarding and crowd the airport and I, I don't think anybody would appreciate it if I if I pointed out that this was a celebrity for those who didn't know. So I kept quiet and we just thought wow it's pretty sim like what are the odds that we're jumping on this flight under these circumstances you know being my first international travel first time on a heavy and first business class experience that also on our flight is going to be this crazy big celebrity well we get on the jet we take our seats which is beautiful and amazing and lo and behold i'm sitting right next to his personal makeup artist the the make the his makeup artist that does his makeup for him and she's super nice and so we start a conversation up and you know that's what it is she lets me know that the other three people they're traveling with are also on his team they're also work for him you know do, making the makeup that my wife uses so it's really cool well a few minutes before takeoff for pushback jeffrey star walks from la premiere back to the business class to come talk to his makeup artist and he sits down he looks over at me and he says hi and so I say hi, and one thing lead, one conversation leads to another, and long story short, I got my wife a picture, as well as I took a picture with him, he was a really nice guy, had a really nice conversation, and it was really sim and really cool. So, we're already having an adventure before we even leave the country, so it was crazy. Alright, 10 hours and like 40 minutes later, we land at Charles de Gaulle, and then we have a 6 hour layover. After that, we jump on a two-year-old A350-941, beautiful plane, brand new, like so nice. And I'm having a nice conversation with the flight manager of this this flight and I tell her that I'm an av geek. Oh, and I tell her that I've only been an av geek for a few years and that my geekdom is primarily for commercial jets. So this is really cool experience for me and I'm super happy to be there. And then I thank her for what they do and thank her for their service and all that. And she's super nice. Okay, so we're enjoying our flight. And by the way, Air France stuffs you full of food. Oh my gosh, there's so much food. Oh, every course, is, every meal is just course after course, and it's so, so much. So good. Anyway, it's about 10 o'clock at night, and I get up to use the restroom at the front of the plane. And I'm standing there waiting in line patiently, and the flight manager walks up to me, and she says, The captain and I would like to invite you into the cockpit. And I about lost my mind and about peed my pants and freaked out and geeked out hard, so hard, and I screamed like a girl and just, 
I could not believe that was happening. So she went and got my wife and brought the two of us into the cockpit at 41,000 feet as we flew over Athens, Greece at 10 o'clock at night. I cannot express through words how geeked out I was and how excited I was. This was amazing. This is one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had on a plane. Well, probably the most. The cockpit was huge and new and beautiful. I checked out all the instrumentation. We were at 41,000 feet, 539 knots. The captain was pointing things out on the ground in Athens as we flew over. We saw another jet fly under us a thousand feet below. So like I got the full pilot experience. It was so amazing. The captain was also telling us that there's only five countries in the world where this is legal, that the pilots can invite people into the cockpit at their discretion. And he listed the five. I remember him doing this, but I was so geeked out in the situation that I don't remember what he said. <laughs> I don't remember the countries. Obviously, France is one because we were able to go in there, but I will always be grateful to them for that experience. It was so cool. Even my wife, who is... She's only a, a av geek by proxy because I am. She's not super into it like the APG, the PTUK, the you know all these plane podcasts and and meetups and and all of us true av geeks. She's not like us, but she likes planes because I like planes. So, but even she was having a pretty geeked out moment, and like just couldn't believe it was happening. She was enjoying herself too. So we got to stay in there for about five minutes until we flew completely over Athens, and it was out of sight. Thanked them over and over ad nauseum went back to our seats and had a, a great rest of the flight into Cairo then we landed in Cairo and had 11 days of exploring Egypt and all the ruins and all the sites and it was amazing and if you guys want to check that out on my channel master of none m-a-s-t-r no e dash of dash none I will be posting all the videos of Egypt I filmed a whole trip the first episode was released last Friday and it's just all the planes and the flight over so you can actually Actually see the planes we flew on if you'd like. Episode 2 will be coming out today at noon. I'm actually finishing editing it right now. That is going to be our first day in Cairo. Next Friday will be the pyramids, sphinx, and Egyptian museum, etc, etc, until we get through the entire trip. So there'll be quite a few videos, uh, and I release them every Friday at noon. I may post them on my second channel, which is Captain Ridiculous Wits, just like my name in the comments. I do have other videos on there. I don't think I have any plane videos yet, but I'm, I'm gonna put out plane videos, just not yet. And there's gonna be some changes to my channels soon, but they'll, the channels will be the same. The names are just gonna change a little bit, but yeah. If you'd like to check that out, please go visit those channels. Like, subscribe, share with your forewarning. On my Master of None channel, I post all my videos of me working in the toy box garage, which is what I call my garage. And I do auto repair and customization and installs and stuff like that but forewarning I do have a potty mouth when I'm working on cars so just be ready for that I also do uh, home repairs and upgrades and on my other channel Captain Ridiculous Wits I have puppy videos I have skits that I did years ago I have also home repairs and adventure videos and all kinds of stuff so feel free to go check those out and watch some videos at the end of the Egypt travel video series I will be posting a recommendations of what to do and what not to do or what to see and what not to see and a what to expect so my wife and I made a list of all the things and I'm gonna film just like this and post a video of what to all of those things 
in Egypt. So if you are ever planning a trip, that'll be a great video for you to watch so you know what to look out for and what, etc. Anyway, thank you APG community and hosts for listening to my long-winded story. I just wanted to leave an, uh, feedback on that because it's not every day you get to go into a cockpit of any jet during flight, much less a brand new A350 and as you're on an international flight, it, I can't, I still can't believe it happened. But anyway, thank you for listening to my long-winded story. Thank you hosts, Captain Jaffer and Captain Nick and everybody Liz for always putting out the show and thank you community for being so cool. This is James Graves Brown aka Captain Ridiculous Wits aka the James of all trades master of none signing out of my toy box garage. I'll see you guys soon. All right. Wow his enthusiasm is absolutely infectious isn't it? I really was only joking when I said the three hours because I really enjoyed the second half of that. Uh, and uh, wow, what a treat to get into a 350 cockpit. You've got one up on me there because uh, even as a retired airline pilot, I don't think there are many airlines that would uh, let me up onto the flight deck anymore. Especially so, if they knew uh, you well and your done. reputation. <laughs> yeah, well, flatulence spoils everyone's day. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, interesting to share your experience, your geeking out uh, av geek experience in the uh, cockpit of the uh, three hundred and fifty. That uh, that's pretty cool. I, I, I just wish that uh, you had remembered what the other four countries were that still allow people yeah, I did to come some up. Googling, I couldn't find. Yeah, uh, the staff was uh, googling it, trying to figure it out uh, while while the video was playing. But maybe uh, he can follow up and. Uh, find out or inform us uh, what those countries are. I, I know for sure it's not England and it's not the U S right. <laughs> yes. Likewise. Yes. It's not Canada. <laughs> or not Canada either. Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, thanks again, James Graves Brown for that uh, video feedback. We do appreciate it. And uh, we're going to continue moving on with uh, some more feedback and this from uh, Jillian. And Jillian says, Liz, oh, wait a minute. This is not for Captain Nick and, and myself. It's, it's, for, it's for Liz. for all of you. Okay, I can for read it. I have, I have Liz's yeah. permission. Liz, you must know that I think you're funny as with your little quips that you feed Jeff. Your comebacks are always hilarious, quick, and right on the money. I think you're a great part of the show. All right, we do too. Uh, aside from that, a couple of episodes ago, you guys were thanking everybody who contributes to the production of the show. Captain Nick, Radio Roger, etc. But the one guy you left off was Hillel, the guy whose shower you interrupt every episode to have him come out dripping wet and explain slack. It's very accommodating of him to do this. And I think it's also an important task for the show, and he should be acknowledged for this if he hasn't been already. I might have missed it. I don't even know who she's talking about. Who Who is this Halal person she's oh, talking about? Um, yes, you're right. Uh, we we don't give him enough credit for managing, uh, creating and managing it's the uh, body Slack and stuff. community. And, uh, but uh, honestly, Jillian, I do get a little upset uh, with him because 
every darn week that he's here when he's doing his little slack spot. He makes an, a huge mess in that bathroom, gets wet water all over the place, including my yep. electronics equipment. Uh, the towels are just a mess. I don't know what he's doing yep. in there, but they're he dirty. He leaves his pubes all over the oh, soap. Well, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> for that. Uh, and uh, you know, like my skin lotion and shampoo and soap, it's just all gone. But you know what? You're right. I, I, we do need him. to thank uh, Hillel because we do love him, uh, even with all of the problems that he has. Um, yep. Yeah. And the soggy carpet. And this, yeah. Luckily, I don't have too much carpet in here. <sighs> anyway, uh, thank you, Jillian, for uh, and also, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I had that meeting with uh, our brand ambassador, uh, Jim Mercado. Uh, he's also part of our team as well. So. A lot of a lot of things go into the production of this show. I know it doesn't look like it or sound like it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. That's true. <sighs> anyway, Jillian the Sicilian—that's an interesting name. I wonder if mm-hmm. she's got any connections. Hmm. Why are you thinking about knocking somebody off or? Uh... Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> we, you never know. We're on the air. Need I, someone. I just want to remind you, Captain. Yeah. We're on the air. Offer someone uh, something they can't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's continue uh, with uh, this from uh, Les. And he said, uh, I'm a truck driver, Les. So a truck driver, Les. Oh, does that mean he is no longer driving a truck? Oh, wait. No, not L-E-S-S. It's L-E-S. Okay, got it. <laughs> truck driver, Les, in Iowa. He is the father of a new uh, Delta A330 first officer. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, okay, well done. I got to find the applause. Proud man. Uh, here we go. Whew. Very nice. Excellent. He says, uh, Good job. What a great I, airplane, too. I, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I live vicariously <laughs> through my son. Oh, I think I already read that. Um, so it's big and beautiful. That's what she said. Okay, a story. Uh, An Airbus A380 is on its way across the Atlantic. It flies consistently at 800 kilometers per hour at 30,000 feet, when suddenly a Eurofighter with a Tempo Mach 2 appears. Uh, The pilot of the fighter, fighter jet slows down, flies alongside the Airbus, and greets the pilot of the passenger plane by radio. Uh, Airbus, boring flight, isn't it? Now have a look here. He rolls his jet on its back, accelerates, breaks the sound barrier, rises rapidly to a dizzying height, and then swoops down almost to sea level in a breathtaking dive. He loops back next to the Airbus and asks, Well, how was that? The Airbus pilot answers, Go ahead, Nick. we got to do the, the uh, APG players here. The Airbus pilot answers, uh, Very impressive, but watch this. The jet pilot watches the Airbus But nothing happens. It continues to fly straight at the same speed. After 15 minutes, the Airbus pilot radios. Well, how was that? The confused uh, jet pilot says, what did you do? I got up, stretched my legs, walked to the back of the aircraft to use the washroom, then got a cup of coffee and a chocolate fudge pastry. (laughs) The moral of the story. Great acting, by the way. The moral of the story, uh, when you're young, speed and adrenaline seems to be great. But as you get older and wiser, you learn that comfort and peace and, and well, yeah, uh, are more important. That's all part of the comfort. 
this is called SOS, Slower, Older, and Smarter. Uh, dedicated to all my friends, it's time to slow down and enjoy the rest of the trip. Very good. Thank you, truck driver. Les. What is, please? Uh, a bit that confuses me. What's a chocolate fudge pastry? Um, I don't think I've ever heard of such an animal. I think it's like a it's like a pastry that has maybe chocolate fudge uh, filling icing or icing icing or icing or icing. <laughs> chocolate fudge like a, a like a like a like a never uh, heard a of Danish it. like a Danish but instead of the creamy oh, cheese pan chocolat you mean. Well, I don't know. I mean, we're yeah, Americans okay. and cowboys here, so we Yee-haw! do our best. <laughs> you know? Okay. Just, I knew exactly what they, he was talking about. How do they pack about. that fudge in? <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about packing fudge. <laughs> thank oh, you okay, very much. Uh, let's, uh, thank you, Les, and uh, congrats again on your son's um, hiring uh, at uh, um, our sister carrier, uh, Delta Airlines. I think you'll Absolutely. really well like done. it there. Maybe. Three items yeah. from Sam in a row. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. We have, uh, this is a triple uh, Sam Bolog um, header, yeah. uh, feedback segment. Greetings, all. If you have not seen this, take a look on page one of the attached newsletter I receive. And uh, this newsletter is OCX Driftline, Oceanic Explorations. I guess that's what that stands for. Um, Lake Meads B-29, 1948. A B-29 bomber aircraft being used for scientific research was flying at 230 miles per hour when it crashed in Lake Mead and sank in 280 feet of water. All the crew escaped and survived. In 2000, a private dive team discovered the wreck and illegally removed artifacts from the site, which is a national park. The artifacts were returned to the park service. In 2002, the aircraft was rediscovered and the National Park Service dropped an underwater camera and found the plane. There were ropes and lights from previous unauthorized dives and parts of the aircraft were missing due to looting. In 2003, the park sponsored a team of technical divers to survey the wreckage. Being at almost 300 feet deep, it required a special special diving expertise, equipment, and backup systems. The wreck is still monitored, and um, any dives on the site are by special NPS permit, which only a small number of dives allow. With a, a small, only a small number of dives allowed annual, annually. As the lake level has fallen, more divers became interested, but do not plan on diving it soon. Billy Stedman is one of those people who monitors the site and says it's now in only 50 feet of water. Well, the Lake Mead levels have really dropped, uh, but it's currently off limits for any diving. So there were some pictures that Liz was showing, and we'll have in the show notes. You can read this newsletter of the uh, of the B-29 at the bottom of Lake Mead. Interesting. Oh, and then later in this... It's an exciting dive down to 280 feet. Uh, yeah, need, uh, that's tough. But I guess a 50-foot yeah, dive is pretty easy. interesting equipment and a lot of uh, discipline to go down that deep. Yeah. But now you don't have to because the lake levels are so low, it's only in 50 feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't. But now you so, There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> not quite. I know. I, I, I'm not a diver, but I know that 50 feet is still kind of deep. But uh, not like the... Uh, oh, I think feet. the uh, the free diving record is well beyond fifty feet. But yeah, I don't think most people can do that, though. Can they? No. Yeah. 
Um, That's interesting, though. Very interesting. A shame is. about people uh, looting the wreck. Yeah. It's always disappointing. But uh, in the UK, those sort of places are usually uh, classified as war graves. Uh, so it becomes a, a sort of doubly uh, intrusive mm. act if you uh, dive onto a war grave. Not only is it illegal because it's a reserved uh, area usually, um, because you're you're really going into places that you have no place uh, being there. So yeah, I would imagine that they probably didn't recover any of the personnel on board. So they're, as you said, a, a, a war grave. Um, I was reading the second page of this newsletter. I just couldn't help myself because there was a picture of what appeared to be a very large squid. And they're talking about the, um, the, what is it called? The, um, Humboldt squid. Uh, he said, I yeah, want- I saw that it's vast, isn't it? Huge. Said, I said, I once wanted to film some Humboldt squid underwater and the captain warned me that I might not go home. <laughs> well, that's <not> good. <laughs> wow. I mean, I've seen all those black and white movies where those divers with big diving helmets get attacked by giant squid, but that is huge. Yeah, and it said that, uh, you know, they were talking, I think the Humboldt squid uh, can be up to five feet long and 110 pounds, but its bigger cousin, giant squid, has been recorded at 43 feet long and the biggest is the colossal squid at up to 49 feet long and over 1,000 pounds. Yikes. Good That's Lord. a lot of calamari. <laughs> that is a lot of calamari. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Um, Eight legs, two sets of suckers and two tentacles with hooks on the tips. Good Lord. They said they've, they've well, they found like big giant whales with the uh, impressions of the sucker cups on them. Oh, wow. My goodness. Anyway, this is a, an aviation podcast, not a diving show. So I am going to. Ah, uh, but you know, there's an awful lot of uh, pilots out there who also scuba dive. That's true. It's one of those sports that sort of attracts pilots because, you know, it's a fantastic environment, brand yeah. new environment to go into. And it's a bit like flying. Hmm. Very good. Well, um, let's continue on with uh, num- Sam number two. Same Sam, just the second feedback from him. And uh, let's see, he gives us a, oh, oh that's right. I have a little uh, video that I'm supposed to load up here. Uh, it's quite impressive, and you'll see what I mean here in a minute. Um, here we go. Let's watch this little Instagram video. Nope, nope, Oops. that one. Oh, I'm sorry. That I clicked on the wrong one. Here we go. Yeah, right. okay, there's a lady with a baby in her arm. Right on. She takes her suitcase out of the overhead bin and then closes the bin like we all do with our leg, <laughs> with our foot. <laughs> That's amazing. That is incredible, isn't it? I bet Steph could do that. Um, yeah, I, bet, I mean, uh, can you lift your foot over your head? No, I cannot. I mean, she's pretty tall anyway, too. Yeah. I know she's got some uh, clunky heels on those shoes, but uh, yeah, but still, she's uh, not a she's tall and elegant, and then just <laughs> wow, and balance is amazing. That is so cool. That's amazing. Uh, anyway, Sam uh, says to us, um, 
After seeing this, I realize I've never seen anyone ever close an empty overhead bin. It should be a common courtesy among passengers to close them if you are the last to remove uh-huh. items. What do you think about that, Captain Nick? Uh-uh. Uh-oh. Um, Zero point. Back to the... Yeah. Back to the end of the queue. You got to start all over again now. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Uh, at the end of the flight, uh, when all the passengers are off, certainly on my airline, I can't speak for every Jeff, airline, but it was a requirement by so for the UK Civil Aviation Authority. Um, the crew had to perform security checks and clear the cabin. Um, so the first thing they did as soon as everyone was off was go down and open all the bins and then they would do a sweep through and uh, check all the seat areas, all the pockets, uh, check all the bin areas um, to make sure that passengers hadn't left anything on. That was one reason and make sure that lost items could be returned to them because they weren't that far away. You could usually catch them before they leave the airport. Um, but mainly just to look for um, security problems. Um, you know, the, we've heard of people smuggling by leaving things on aircraft and then a mechanic will sneak on afterwards and um, uh, grab it. Uh, and people will uh, possibly leave a, um, uh, a device on board that could endanger the next flight. That might be uh, something. Uh, you know, basically, you're going to make sure there's there's nothing untoward or or nothing valuable left on that people need returning, and to do that, you're going to leave the have to open all the bins. Yep, that's what our cabin cleaners do for our domestic operation, um, and uh, so yeah, you're just making extra work for them if you close the uh, now. Conversely, when you're boarding an airplane and you find uh, an overhead bin and with a space to put your suitcase in. And if you've basically taken up all of the space of that overhead bin, then we do request that you close the bin door because that should be an indication, although people still open the darn things up, but it's supposed to be an indication that if the bin door is closed, that it's full. And so, you know, move on and try to find another space for your bag. Yeah. (laughs) One, one person's, uh, judgment of what's full may not be the same as someone else's. That's true. I think the most efficient operations are when the flight attendants kind of come behind and, and as you say, Nick, make sure that it really is full and maybe you do some rearranging and some very effective yeah. and efficient flight attendants will say, you know, like, okay, what's this like jacket or coat doing up here? I mean, you can put that underneath the seat in front of you. Can't, you know, like you can really, you know, if you if you really work at it, you can get almost everybody's carry on stuff on board the That's airplane. That's right. Yeah. 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 All right. Um uh Sam number three. Hello. By the way, nice uh, nice feedback. Um Sam, thanks for that. Yep. And but well, we're not finished with Sam yet. I noticed Oh no, really? There's more? Yes, sir. Do we have to. Yeah, and, and we're gonna get your input on this oh. one. Uh hello, okay. I noticed the 2077 ETOPS number on the attached scale model, which I think we have there on our video. Uh, it's a United Airplane, uh, United Airlines front end of a 777 there. Is, can you explain what 2077 means? I cannot find any information. Uh, thank you, Sam Bolog. And he said, P.S. if it matters, it's a 777. So were, were you able to figure out Anything about this, uh, Nick? Well, I actually spent quite a bit of time on this one, just out of interest sake, 
for myself as well as everything else. Um, I discovered that United um, use the last two digits on the registration, last two numbers on the registration, as the last two numbers on their, we, we would call them a door number, but obviously this number, 2077, isn't on the door, it's on the fuselage. Um, but people move their aircraft uh, numbers around. So this isn't the registration number, this is the airline's number that identifies that aircraft. Now, it looks like by looking through a lot of pictures, and I mean, I'm just being a little bit of a detective. It doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm pretty sure I am, um, that um, they use the last two numbers, 77 in this case. Uh, and the first two numbers, I couldn't quite work out what that code was uh, because uh, the 777 seemed to have a series of different numbers that precede the two numbers that reflect the aircraft registration. So 77 was the registration, 20 means something else, but it is a number unique to that airframe that the company can use to identify it. Um, so uh, I thought for a while, um, because the uh, number was 77, it was November 777 Uniform Alpha. That was the registration, which would have made it the very first prototype 777. That was used extensively by Boeing for testing and then was used by United. Uh, but actually, if you find that aircraft with that registration, you'll see that the door number, and in that aircraft, they move the door number down onto the one of the doors of the nose wheel, so that when the nose wheel is down, you can see that number clearly from the side. To see it otherwise, you'd have to be looking directly underneath. But that number was 2477. So what your aircraft is, I haven't managed to work out what 2077, what that number uh, refers to. Um, I have a feeling that that aircraft uh, no longer exists, which is why I can't find out much information about it. Um, uh, it says ETOPS because that aircraft is being cleared for extended twin operations. Um, and that is printed on every aircraft that is is being authorized to do it. Because quite often it's it's a specific airframe that has had specific engineering tasks performed and records are kept on that particular airframe that qualifies it for extended twin operations. Because it has more regular checks and that's expensive, not every airframe in an airline might be uh, qualify for ETOPS, and those that are qualified usually have it written on the airframe somewhere. Uh, and the, air the aircraft that aren't qualified would be used sort of around the mainland United States, for example, whereas those that are qualified can go over the oceans without too much concern. Um, so in theory, uh, e the ETOPS 2077 was used for extended twin operations testing, but I can't find out the registration and I can't confirm that. That was just a sort of random comment in a blog that I discovered. Um, I mean, for example, uh, Boeing 777-200, uh, November 219 Uniform Alpha, that's its registration, uh, with United Airlines, um, 
has uh, that number, and its number was its airframe number for the company was two zero one nine using the last two digits of its registration and a door number for example 0031 what that 00 preceding numbers mean i have no idea but their registration was november 2331 uniform and the door number like i said was uh, uh oh and the door number uh yeah uh, and the next aircraft in the production line uh was November 2332 uniform. So that's one more on the registration. That was given the door number 2132, as opposed to 0031 for the preceding aircraft. So I, they're both 777-300ERs. So I really don't know why one aircraft was given a 0031 and the other aircraft only one later. The MSN number was only one later was given the door number 2132. So it confuses me. I can't see any logic behind that, but that's effectively what that number is. Uh, the fact that the ETOPS and that door number are printed together on the side of the fuselage is irrelevant. They, they refer to different things. Okay, uh, so they don't have to be together, those two um, markings, and they're usually not. If you look on current... United Airlines uh, fleets, all those door numbers are literally on the door of the nose wheel. And as you said, it's very important that you identify ETOPS capable aircraft. In fact, we had a story, I think it was either earlier in this year or maybe last year sometime when, uh, where there was a situation where a, um, a non-ETOPS airplane was flown uh, in a setting that was uh, an ETOPS aircraft was required to perform the flight in and remember the airline got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. yeah I don't remember that's, exactly that's the details naughty. Liz. um, you know, what airline and what country, but yeah, it's, it's important because there has to be special certification for the, uh, extended twin operations, uh, performance. Yeah. I mean, obviously you shouldn't, if you're the captain, you shouldn't be allocated an aircraft that not qualified for ETOPS, but it's one of the, those things you actually want to check when you do your walk around and more importantly, when you get the aircraft, pardon me, paperwork, that it is actually cleared for ETOPS if you're going to do an ETOPS flight. Just another darn thing you got to check. Yeah, amongst the myriad of other things. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Sam. I know that wasn't a definitive answer, but as Nick says, I think he's right. It's some kind of an internal uh, system to identify airframes or ships uh, for you know in a certain fleet. Uh, maybe there is yeah. some. Uh, the, you don't get reason, too many not. ships. Yeah, I find. Well, yeah, you know, ships. Airlines. Yeah, because uh, they don't really oh, they don't uh, travel very as well. quickly as the airplanes do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They can't usually get to cruising altitude very easily. <laughs> and uh, is this it? Finally, uh, we're yeah. It's going to be a nice yeah. short wow. show for us. Oh, is going to be worried. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am. We're going to. Don't worry, Liz. Trust me. Our our people will come through for us and if not then we'll get it get to take a week we'll off. make some up like we used to in the old days <laughs> yeah make it Shh, we're not supposed to tell them <laughs> Sorry. fred um fred poindexter i think is that your uh feedback name um uh, yeah yeah okay uh curmudgeon. Old, or oh yeah curmudgeon yeah um so uh this last 
piece of feedback was sent in to us from Tim Van Ram. You ever heard of that guy? I, um, I believe there's someone similar in the chat room. Oh, is there? Interesting. Anyway, he says, yeah. uh, hello, APG. Does anyone else know Samantha Brown? Uh, Ms. Brown has a travel show and is a favorite of mine. I'm sharing a short video clip from Facebook where Samantha tells the story of pleading to board a flight after final boarding call so she can land her travel show dream job. Hope you like it and her. Cheerio, Tim Van Ram. And we uh, have that video we're going to watch together here. This is uh, entertaining. The number one question I get is, how did you get that job? Like initially, 24 years ago on the Travel Channel. And the truth is, I put myself in front of a plane. I had to audition for the production company down in Jacksonville. And that production company had me on an impossible to make connecting flight through Washington, Dallas. And I am running through the terminal and I am running so fast and hard that I feel like my internal organs have all shifted up into my neck and I'm going to barf out my heart. I make it, I make it to the gate. Gate agent says, I'm sorry, I called final boarding like five minutes ago, but just go down the jetway. Maybe they'll let you on. The jetway leads me outside and there I see it. It's like a 50 seat jet. And so I make a run for it. And then I hear this man. Where do you think you're going? Is that... Is that the flight to Jacksonville? Once I've cleared it, no one gets on the plane. <laughs> I've been waiting on tables for eight years and I really think I can get this job, but I need to be on that flight. I will ask the pilot, you wait right here. I stand there and watch as the man walks another hundred feet to the plane, walks up that staircase into the cockpit and starts the conversation. And then I hear a voice inside my head, get on the plane, Sam get on the plane. And so I pick my bag up and I begin to run. And I put myself underneath the nose of the plane and I put my arms out wide and all I say is, please. Pilot looked down and gave me one of these. And that Thumbs is up. when I knew I got the job. <laughs> oh, she's very entertaining, isn't she? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes, what a character. Absolutely. And, I uh, wouldn't have let her on the plane person. Gone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You should have planned better. <laughs> yep. Yep. If, yeah, if we, that, if you planned your life so tight that you needed to get this exact plane to get a job, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want you working for me. <laughs> wow. The old curmudgeon. Right well, there. it's the old the military person. training, isn't it? You're five minutes <laughs> early for everything. She didn't plan her flight. The, the company. Yeah, so the Liz flight. is yeah, saying, "Hey, it wasn't her fault. It was the company that planned the tight connection, or something. I don't know." But uh, anyway, it worked uh, out for her uh, very well, and uh, she was pretty cheeky. Uh, cheeky move that she made. Yeah, that uh, paid off. Looking at her, she's the sort of pretty lady that would get away with something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? Woohoo! It's the end of our show. We're going to wrap this up right now. And the first thing cool. that we're going to say is we're going to tell you to go over to AirlinePilotGuy.com, our website, uh, that uh, has all kinds of information about the crew and the community and a calendar for community um, gatherings yeah, and events. Yeah, maybe your meetup in the UK will be and, on there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it will, Liz. Um, and... So much more. And we have a pilot, uh, pilot, the uh, old pilot, Plain Tales, uh, separate um, page there where you can get more information about each of those Plain Tales. Uh, Nick uh, put some supplementary information there for us. And uh, we're also, um, our librarian Tiffany uh, manages our APG library. 
uh, where you can, uh, you know, look up books about mostly aviation and so much more merchandise, um, how you can join the coffee fund, all that. So again, check it out, airlinepilotguy.com. And let's not forget about the social meds. Captain Nick, do you want to tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we have a page on Facebook, which is kind of cool. We get a lot of uh, um, feed on that um, particular page. If you want to find it and see there or post, Look uh, for Airline Pilot Guy. That's all one word. Put that search in and you'll come across us. If you're a twatterer uh, and um, you like putting twats out there, uh, then, um, sorry, twits out there. Tweets, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, you need to uh, tag at APG Crew to get a hold of us, and then we'll spot that on the Instas, as Steph likes to say, but the Instagrams, uh, as I prefer, uh, just APG Crew will find us. But quite honestly, Steph does a little bit on there, but the main thing you'll find on there from us is the artwork, which I put up there every week. There you go. Thank you very much for doing that. And... We're also on Slack, and we talked about uh, Hillel earlier. And like clockwork, he is always here, ready to tell. Hello. Hello. Can you tell us about Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. I know. We all know. What is it that he does that he needs to clean himself during the show? He's a very, um, he's very hygienic. Meticulous. Meticulous. Yes. I mean, if he sweats just the least bit... He's already back in the shower, getting all cleaned up. <laughs> and uh, let's see, but the, the best thing that he does for us is, other than the shower stuff, is that he manages our Slack um, team, and uh, he's going to tell us how you can join it. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks a lot, Hillel. Appreciate it. See what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. What does he do? Flush it down the loo or something? I don't know. But he has very soft skin, apparently. Yeah. And, well, where uh, does he keep it? <laughs> well, uh, anyway, uh, that's Slack and the social meds. And uh, we also, of course, want to thank our... Producer, producer Liz Piper. Well done, Liz. well done. You really motored through those items today. Yes. All right. So Send thank you, that Liz. Feedback, everybody. Yeah, we do appreciate it. And yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'll see. I don't know. Unless you're watching this thing live, I, uh, you won't know that. Uh, well, we've mentioned the uh, PTUK APG meetup in a few previous episodes. So hopefully, I'll get to see one or more of you there uh, tomorrow and until next week uh, we're wishing you clear skies unlimited visibility and tailwinds take care and god bless bye everybody and give carlos my best
Oh, I'll do that. Safe driving, Jeff. Have a good time. Thanks. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. Such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy fall oh, I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly over 